0: Hey everyone, welcome to DF Direct Weekly number 102. It's here, it's happening, it cannot be stopped. Like the release of Final Fantasy 16, it's going to take a, a global extinction event to stop it happening. So let's crack on. This is indeed our weekly show about the latest gaming and technology news. There's a lot to talk about this week. So uh, joining me, first of all, hello, Oliver McKenzie.
1: Hi, Richard going?
0: Yeah, fantastic. Great to have you back on the show. And um, Alex Battaglia, he's back. Yes, returning from sickness,
2: I was, it took me out more than COVID did, whatever I had. Um, But I'm much better now. My throat feels good and ready to talk for hours on end
0: about video game news. Your throat feels good. That's all we need to know. (laughs) That's all we need to know. Uh, Let's back on with the first news topic. Uh, So it's been a week of delays. Two key uh, titles have been delayed. Um, First of all, we have Starfield, uh, which now actually has a release date, to be fair. It didn't have one before. Uh, The release date for that is September the 6th. Um, And uh, we shall be learning more about it during the E3 period. Specifically, there's going to be a developer underscore direct at uh, June the 11th. Um, Secondly, a story coming from Bloomberg Uh, Jason Schreier so you know he's staking his reputation on this one Um, yes apparently in the wake of the extremely negative reaction Suicide Squad has been uh, delayed to later in the year I'm going to go to you first on this Oliver Um, thoughts about this I mean two very different stories but I guess the linkage is delay
1: yeah yeah I think with Starfield, it makes uh, more sense in an organic way because that game is absolutely massive. I have to imagine they've got five or six years of content in the pipe. The previous showing, while it was very, very impressive, obviously, uh, I think it showed they had a lot of work to, to go. Uh, and uh, the roughly 10-month delay, I think, is fitting with probably what you'd expect from a project of that scope. I don't think it's too crazy, at least not not to me. I did expect it in, in May or June, but, you know, the delay isn't uh, unprecedented there. But for I think it's very curious with the Suicide Squad delay because I wasn't that pleased with the way the game was in the initial footage that we saw, the initial gameplay footage, but I'm not too sure how much they can do to fix it because the game has been structured, it seems, around these co-op elements. And if that's what the delay is about indeed, or the you know proposed hypothetical alleged delay, <laughs> if that's what it's about, <laughs> then it does seem like a bit of a tall order to turn that around by Q4, 2023 I think so I kind of wonder how that will uh will end up <laughs> going
0: yeah I mean if you spent seven years eight years creating a game and then in the final few months of development um there are stories that the whole thing is being upended and being retooled um wow that's problematic right Alex
2: yeah, I think in this case I'm of Oliver's opinion where I it's hard to imagine what 6 months will do um for the core gameplay concept ideas as in like for example when they showed off uh, the idea of like a uh, gear score like uh, getting new um weapons for your characters that have like different DPS stats um or even like the base gameplay of, of like shooting these like purple attached nodes onto enemy robots and tanks and all these other things. Uh, that's all of the stuff that was mainly criticized with that showing. I think John's, uh, John's nice tirade was a good <laughs> capping point of that. Um, and I don't think those things are going to be changed in that time, but I almost wonder if it's going to be slightly retooled for its image uh, and how they present it as well as maybe just some of the UI to make it not so transparent that it is actually a games as a service title because that seems to be the, the heavily negative reaction. That's the only thing I can imagine they could do in that time period. Um, with regards to um, Starfield, this one I'm actually happy they're delaying it because I think I would really like to see um, a Bethesda title come out with um, the least amount of issues possible both for their own sake, for our sake, and also for Microsoft's sake, because I think Microsoft's kind of on a roll right now with Hi-Fi Rush coming out, like a really super polished title. And I don't think they want to have like the huge baggage that is like releasing a technically problematic game, like buggy, kind of like Halo Infinite came out where it wasn't perfect in a lot of ways and it almost felt like it still needed more time. I think, to make this year like a good capstone year for microsoft releasing one of the biggest games of the year if not maybe the biggest game of the year uh in a really polished state would be great Mm. so i'm happy to actually see it be delayed
0: yeah um well we've got this question from bjork tribe one of our df supporters bethesda's history of buggy launches aside with with the team developing starfield as a showstopper piece for xbox what do you suppose the odds are that the pc version will have an equal amount of love since it's still the Xbox brand, so yeah, this is a curious one, right, Alex? Because well, these titles from Bethesda Game Studios—I mean, it's almost legendary that they kind of launch with with technical issues, with glitches, with bugs, with crazy things. And part of that, I think, is simply down to the sheer size and scope of the game. There's eventualities that a user will uncover relatively easily that, you know, years of QA might not mm-hmm. uh, might not sort of uh, uncover. I'm not sure I I sort of get the question because in my experience the console versions always seem to be a sort of less stable they than are. the PC versions.
2: They are, and they always have been. I, I think like the yeah, just go back to Morrowind, and you'd see the same thing with regards to how the Xbox version performed versus the PCs of the era. Uh, it did a good job, but it, you know it it definitely had its negative aspects, and I think that carries on to Oblivion, Fallout Three especially the PS3 versions of those games, um, where over time they just kind of degrade and slow down. Rim-like. And yeah, yeah. and also, you know, we go back to like one of the classic DF uh, benchmarks of the era was like running up that tower in Fallout 4 and seeing how badly CPU-limited it was, uh, you know, like well, the, the, with all the kind of combat that goes on in that game. I think this time around, though, because it is targeting much better CPUs, uh, it just by default will be better. The one thing I'm, I'm really curious though, is whether or not um, there's gonna be a performance mode because this trailer they released a year was like targeting 60 FPS for certain segments of the trailer, um, but the previous showing on Xbox, what was apparently Xbox was really obviously 30 FPS with uh, frame rate dips. So that's a tall order and a difference <laughs> to suddenly go from like slow code, that's not hitting 30 to 60 all of a sudden. Um, I'm just curious if that's still on the table. Yeah,
0: I mean, I don't know what to make of that. Is it a marketing uh, tool which is basically just, hey, these, here's a really nice trailer. We've mastered it at 60 frames per second? Uh, probably PC build footage. Or do you think they're actually saying, hey, we're going to have a 60 FPS performance mode? I think. It might have been prudent not to have done it at sixty frames per second if you're not if you don't have a performance mode in the bag, right? Because that's that's kind of like one of the key takeaways that 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 was uh, that, that emerged in the wake of that trailer review. Hey, it's sixty frames per second, and you know, it's it it's going to be tricky, right? Oliver, any thoughts on Starfield beyond uh, beyond what we've talked about already? Do you think it should will have a sixty FPS mode?
1: I think if they do it, I don't think it's going to be super consistent just based off of their track record. I am very happy that it's not shipping on last-gen consoles. I am very happy that it's being delayed seemingly to get the game in hopefully decent shape, but I think that a 60 FPS performance might just be a a bridge too far, or if they try it, it won't be so perfect. I was actually kind of um, interested and surprised and in some ways impressed by some aspects of the trailer. Uh, like mm. Just little snippets that we saw, in particular the off-screen footage that was very briefly shown in between Todd Howard, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, where we like, <laughs> saw some environments, some cool planet environments, and there was a brief shot with like these massive dinosaur-type reptile creatures, and I just thought, wow, that looks cool, but the scope of this game seems pretty insane, because just imagine those reptile creatures, the players are going to expect people be able to interact with them, to shoot them to engage in combat with them, unless it's some sort of like weird non-combat area, but of course Bethesda never does that. And then that's all expected <laughs> to have some sort of plausible interaction with the player and sort of almost maybe a Horizon Animations. Zero Dawn kind of big attack enemy sense. And I think that mm. Bethesda is gonna try to do all that stuff because they always do, but the, the level of polish will be, I'm pretty sure quite questionable, especially at launch. So. You know, <laughs> delay the game for another six months if I need it as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'd rather yeah. have a good product than a than a product that, you know, invariably the solution of Bethesda games is to say, hey, you know, this is a great game, but wait four months or whatever, you know.
0: Mm, interesting. I mean, yeah, this is the, the thing, right? Because we're going in with basically decades of baggage from what we've come to expect from a technical perspective from these games. And uh, when we looked at the last major showing at the last E3 period, yeah, it was, it was looking absolutely fantastic, but there was still the sense that performance was uh, not consistent. So, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see where this one ends up in terms of uh, the concept of whether it's been delayed or not. It, as far as I'm aware, it never got a release date. I think people were just mm-hmm. expecting it within a year window. And I think, to be fair, this year is looking really, really packs anyway. So I quite like the idea that Starfield has actually carved out its own Area of the release date calendar, so to speak, um, because you know there's there's a number of congested months this year, and as far as I'm aware, September's looking fairly clear at the moment. TBC, of course, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot going on, but yeah, so I think that's fantastic. Suicide Squad again, it is just a story from um, uh, Bloomberg, but again, I don't think uh, Jason Schreier would publish that if he wasn't fully on top of the facts there. Um, wow, I just don't see how they're going to sort of reverse, you know, a good degree of the development. Um, assuming mm-hmm. that they are going to reverse it and not just, you know, retool, make it better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns in there, we just don't know. But you know, the concept of um Rocksteady taking on board the the reaction and and making changes can go one of two ways, right? We could either have gone from a game that perhaps would have worked as a game as a service and worked really great and then basically the the alternative is that maybe it's not going to work out with these last minute retoolings so to speak mm. so i guess you know who knows it's the, it's the <laughs> short answer. who knows just have to wait and see um But I think that's all we've got to say about that at the moment. Let's move on to the next news topic. Um, So later on this month, uh, The Last of Us Part 1, T.Loo Part 1, it's coming. It's coming to PC. Um, There's been an an announcement from Naughty Dog revealing the PC features. And uh, Alex, you're going to be reviewing this for us. Um, Talk us through your impressions of, of, well, (laughs) of the blog post (laughs) announcing the specs.
2: So the blog's post, uh, alongside the specs, there's some announcement of some other things. That, I mean, some of them are silly, but it's like, oh, it's got a VSync option, and um, you know, you can control graphics from low to ultra. And I guess the question is whether or not ultra is something better than the PlayStation Five.
0: You'd, Maybe you'd, it is. We'll see so. when yeah. the
2: game comes out. I'd hope that they have a good ultra option. Two really key things that I saw uh, in there were also FSR 2.2 and DLSS, obviously without any knowledge of which version of DLSS it is, but it is the super resolution variant, so there isn't any DLSS 3 here. Maybe a missed opportunity uh, here with the game, given how apparently heavy it is with the specs shown off here. Uh, but that's the second part of it. And this is both good and, uh, like, they are showing off the spec sheet for minimum recommended performance and ultra is both good because it actually shows, which we really like to see is exactly the specs for 60 FPS at some resolution and some uh, preset, which is the way I think these kind of spec sheets should be done generally. They can obviously be even more detailed than this, uh, but this is better than most other people do. So that's the good part. The questionable part is just what specs are are there. I want to kind of start with the minimum first because uh, they've posted as well on Twitter that the game runs on Steam Deck. And we know from tons of benching from both myself, Oliver, Rich, <laughs> that the Steam Deck kind of compares, it's like a 720p PS4 in terms of GPU quality, almost. That's the way I'd kind of put it. It's like 720p PS4. Yeah, I think that's a fair, Some, a fair yeah.
0: appraisal of its power.
2: Yeah, yeah. and. Um, but if you look at the minimum recommended specs here, it's 30 FPS at 720p at the low setting with a GTX 970, which historically it's not less now over time. But it used to be, you know, like two times console settings, you know, like two times the performance of a like a PS4 almost uh, when it, you know, like run The Witcher three time span. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's what it was. Obviously, over time that the, that architecture did not scale as well with like higher compute loads. So I expect it to be, not be as good as it used to be, but 720p 30 is a huge difference. Um, and that makes me wonder a little bit like what a GTX 1060 would be like, cause the other GPU here for 720p 30 is the um, 1050 Ti, which is not too far off from a 1060 but the four gigabyte variant, um, which is maybe these spec sheets are kind of also laid out due to the amount of VRAM that the, these, each of these GPUs respectively have. It's hard to know because this, once again, the spec street, street sheet is not transparent. Uh, so I'm a little bit worried about that, the minimum spec on the GPU side of things. But also when I get over to the recommended and performance spec, there's some questionable things here, uh, namely because usually the RTX 2060, uh, 2070 Super and the 5700 XT, which is mislabeled in the spec sheet, <laughs> it's a 5700 XT, the AMD one. Usually that's what I go f- my go-to GPU and our performance comparisons of what a PS5 GPU tends to perform like in a rasterized game. Sometimes it's a bit above, sometimes it's a bit below, bit below. It depends on the game and the scene, but that's usually where it is. And this is for 1080p60 at the high preset, which might be PlayStation 5-esque settings. That's like quite a bit below the 1440p 60 of the PS5 version. Yeah, and they're talking um,
0: 2080 Ti level for 1440p. <laughs> th-
2: that's that's you know that's a GPU that's always been very consistently above when we've been able to get exact settings. It's usually been very consistently above the PlayStation Five, sometimes dramatically so, depending upon the game. Um, so um, I'm a little bit worried about that. But even the Ultra spec here has some questionable things there. <laughs> the um, AMD RX 7900 XT can perform at 4K ultra 60 FPS using FSR quality mode, but for the RTX 4080, which is usually a semi-comparable GPU in a lot of aspects without ray tracing, um, doesn't apparently require any upscaling, which is really weird. <laughs> like usually you'd expect these GPUs to be very similar to one another, but the spec sheet almost says they're actually rather quite different. So there's there's a lot to be said here. I think once again, we always have to wait and look at the game when it comes out. And uh, you know, I have a couple of these GPUs and it'd be interesting to see how they actually do fare in comparison to the spec sheet at the end. Maybe that's something to include in the video as well, just to like actually say, hey, how useful are these spec sheets in the end of the day? Um, but I'm a little worried based upon the spec sheet that is put out, just a little bit. But always, as always, you know, these these things don't mean that they're not 100% concrete. Well, there's, there's yeah.
0: some interesting stuff in there. Let's take a look at the, the low uh, spec. I mean, they're, they're saying it's going to work on Steam Deck, right? Yeah. And uh, these specs for the minimum are way above Steam Deck. <laughs> I mean, you know, a Radeon 470 is broadly compatible to a PS4 Pro, yeah. as is the GTX yeah. 970. Um, and in terms of the 1060, it's a, it's on a it's on a rung above these GPUs. It should it should be alright. Um, yes, so, so there is that. So the question is, I guess, what well, maybe you have to use upscaling FSR on the deck to to get 720p30 or, or something close to it. It's not entirely clear.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, the GPU side of things is certainly interesting, and um, I suspect we probably would be using upscaling on on the uh, on the recommended specs to get something like fourteen forty p. I mean, that's not beyond the realms of possibility. But you're right; it should be broadly comparable, you know, native fourteen forty p. You'd think. I don't know. So uh, interesting yeah. stuff, right? Um, it would be great to actually see some. You know, this is sort of pie in the sky stuff. Bearing in mind the game probably is still in 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 development as we speak but it would be nice to actually see you know a trailer that actually shows these gpus or at least one of them running <laughs> running the game
2: yeah that'd be great um like for example just showing off like uh the game at 4k native 60 or something like that that'd be really interesting because we've never seen that before with this game it's yeah. always been you know uh this is oliver's coverage back in the day um you know just like uh, this 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 game has been one that that has always kind of been in that 1440p 60 realm on the PlayStation 5 hardware, whether it's the second part two or part one, and we can finally see that art breathing at a high frame rate at a higher resolution. Yeah. And something I would have loved to see. There was
1: yeah, a there actually. was a 4K 30 mode, and then also a 4K 40 mode, which I think they stripped out of it post <laughs> post release. Really? Actually, oh they did, yeah. yeah.
2: Oh wow, man! That was gonna be our my go-to uh, benchmark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my benchmark. Though. I believe I oh, believe no. they
1: I believe they did cut that out. But I'm kind of curious to see how this scales at all because The Last of Us Part One or T-Loop Part One, as I affectionately call it, is again that relies very very heavily on baked lighting and the settings they've name checked here. Like I think it's texture quality, shadows, reflections, and ambient occlusion. You know, I think you have to assume that if, if those are, as we expect, not obviously not ray-traced implementations of, of any of those techniques, that there would be a particularly impactful improvement over PS5 because it's not like the PS5 was particularly lacking in terms of SSR quality or shadow resolution or anything like that. I would be interested to see because I, I have to presume that Ultra preset is at least one or two notches above whatever the PS5 can do. So hopefully there is some return on investment for people who have high-end hardware where are are able to push the game to the max. But even if there isn't Mm -hmm. that much of one, um, I think Naughty Dog's TAA in T-Lube Part 1 on the PS5, it does have a fair bit of breakup and shimmer. So the idea that you could play this at 4K at high frame rates with something like uh, DLSS2 quality or something to clean up that final image, I think that should make for a big improvement, at least in terms of image quality, if not visual settings.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. It is great to see DLSS and FSR 2 in there, which I think was the case for Uncharted. It definitely had DLSS, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, it definitely had FSR 2 as well, too. One thing I want to point out really quickly from this is they also mentioned that the cinematics have been uh, cleaned up for ultra-wide displays, and the game itself is too, which is... is, This um, is not
0: an insignificant task.
2: (laughs) No, for an entire game that is... I mean, it has tons of... um, cinematic sequences in it and i imagine a number of them if you just go outside that 16 by 9 border there was probably like <laughs> character models just like t <laughs> you know th- this is the typical thing or there's just nothing there at times um so that that probably took a bit of work and i'm also really excited to see this in general i mean i'm not a big fan of the series like oliver is but i'm excited to see the fact that we're seeing naughty dogs in Studio Work finally coming out on PC for the first time since like 1998 I guess. Um and it's going to be really really cool to just see how they treat the platform. I imagine it's up to the exact same standard that they do with the PlayStation, which is probably pretty high. So and it's just, you know, the first of many things to come. I imagine and um part 2 may come at some point as, along with Factions or whatever Factions 2 is going to be called. Um I'm ex- So so I'm just excited to be clear though,
0: Alex, it's obviously Uncharted did appear on PC, but that was a collaboration with Iron Galaxy. There's no hint of any kind of collaboration with an external partner on this one, right?
2: Yeah, so far, no, none of that at all. Um, And I think also the rumor mill beforehand was saying that this was an internal ND thing. So that's what I expect. We'll see though when the game comes
0: out. I've got to ask Oliver, as a a massive Tealoo fan, how are you enjoying the TV show?
1: Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. Uh, I I actually have not watched any of it. I'm planning to wait until the release of the episodes, <laughs> and then I'll. That's watch a watch smart idea. Season. Yeah, I can't I can't keep up engine. week to week with it's too much too much stuff in my head. You know, have to save us for pixel <laughs> <fits of> counts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's it's running at 1440p. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but there's a there's a 4k 24 mode (laughs) anyway (laughs) um, yes uh, The Last of Us Part 1 hopefully review code will be turning up Mm -hmm. soon and uh, we shall endeavour to have launch day coverage for that on the PC because uh, uh, wow it's going to be a big big release for for PC users I think and uh, we're just really hyped to to see it I mean you know a Naughty Dog game scaling beyond PlayStation 5 you know that's just going to be a treat let's move on to the next news topic So, um, and I'm going to take a a deep breath here, the (laughs) (laughs) continuing circus surrounding the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard continues. um, And it's going in all manner of crazy directions, um, which, you know, I'm just kind of blown away. Uh, It's to the point where we're actually seeing full page uh, ads being taken out in national newspapers in the UK, where Microsoft is telling the world that if the acquisition goes through, um, then um, Call of Duty will actually be appearing on 150 million new devices. Um, A lot of those would be Nintendo Switch, will be made available to 150 million devices. Um, Meanwhile, um, there's been some... Crazy claims from Sony about what would happen to Call of Duty and um, PlayStation's competitive position in the market should the merger go through, including stuff, and I think we'll talk about this first, um, the concept that Microsoft might deliberately sabotage Call of Duty to make it worse for PlayStation users. And, yeah, there are certain examples cited <laughs> of, of Bugs being introduced into the final level and stuff like this. Um, Oliver, I've got to get your opinion on this.
1: Yeah, I think it's (laughs) a bit of very strange lawyering and it doesn't seem to have too much resemblance (laughs) to reality. Because I think it's interesting because actually we do have examples of the inverse case to this where Sony started to ship the MLB, the show games, I believe on Xbox, and those versions are very comparable to the PlayStation versions. Like there's no feature level deficits or like significant performance deficits, I don't think between the two consoles. So you kind of have to look at that example and say, well, you know, Sony is at least a good, (laughs) you know, they're they're a good partner with this stuff. And I really don't think it makes sense for Microsoft to, to go out of their way to make a worse version of Call of Duty for, PlayStation, especially because their agreements seem to specify that PlayStation is getting a feature complete version of the game. Obviously, not a version that's on, you know, PlayStation Pass or PS Plus or whatever. But you know, it's a, it should be a <laughs> PlayStation a... Pass. <laughs> yeah,
2: PlayStation Pass. Well, yeah, yeah. It's the new uh, one.
1: Yeah, what, what, whatever it looks like in 2025 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And we also have examples of Microsoft taking games to Sony platforms recently. Um, specifically some Bethesda games. So we had the Doom Eternal RT update and Deathloop, which obviously came out first on PlayStation. And the PlayStation versions, they were very similar. Actually, I think in the case of Doom Eternal, I would arguably say the PlayStation version might even have a little bit better image quality because they aren't using VRS in that version. VRS? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so all history between the two parties basically says that these will probably, you know, very likely be good faith attempts to recreate Call of Duty on PlayStation well, are probably very similar. Well,
0: this is the issue, right? The issue from my perspective is this concept of intended malicious uh, dealings to to disadvantage a specific platform. Where well, I can't actually think of, you know, when it comes to those multi-platform ports between the platform holders, everybody has has been actually rather well behaved, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, I also think it casts shade on uh the developers um you know the 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 idea that they would go along with this is is you know when you consider a a developer with the technical chops and the reputation of infinity ward Uh, i think it's a disservice to the to the developer to even suggest it i think it is lawyering gone mad and uh, the sooner this whole circus is over the better really Um, Mm. Which kind of leads us on to the other thing which was dominating the news this week, which is the arguments that Microsoft has put forward that they can get Call of Duty or well, not they, I suspect it will be somebody like (laughs) Infinity Ward, can get a native Switch version of Call of Duty running. Um, and they've previously said that would be feature complete. Uh, now we did, a—I a, wrote an article about this and I think we discussed it on a prior direct, which basically suggested, well, a cloud version would be doable, but not advisable um, for various reasons. Next gen switch, no problem. Alex, yes. <laughs> do you think, <laughs> did we get it wrong? is the question there do you think we could make a uh not we <laughs> the developers we. Could, could could get a native version of call of duty modern warfare 2 and warzone running on the switch i mean the paperwork describes prior impossible ports like doom eternal and whatnot yeah i mean from my perspective they were talking about a feature complete version of the game and call of duty i mean going back to well The last Call of Duty game that did not run at 60 frames per second, I think, was Call of Duty 3 on the PlayStation 3. And that's not because they didn't want it to. I consider 60 (laughs) frames per second as part of the defining DNA of Call of Duty, and it's not Call of Duty if you're not at 60. But at the same time, we have seen a lot of 60 games translated onto Switch at 30.
2: Yeah, so I think that's where the magic would be. And also just the, like the most, most of the impossible switch ports also end up doing a lot of special work there in regards to just like models looking different in the case of impossible ports, like um, maybe it was the second Wolfenstein game. It was like where they even edited the level geometry at certain instances to make it so you couldn't see uh, like uh, far away detail to keep the frame rate up. I think that's what it would end up entailing to do it like this. And I think it would be a very compromised experience. I don't, 60 is not at all possible. Um, it would be a 30 compromised experience, probably with Warzone being maybe a much more variable experience than that, because in that game, presuming it would have crossplay, play, because uh, the, they really have extensive cross play options in Call of Duty. Um, you could not necessarily, uh, compromise things like view distance because people are just sniping you and you couldn't see them yeah um i don't think we're wrong i just think it's very it would just be super super compromised um if and when they bring it out just we would have to look at it but i think just uh, there's all of these i am always impressed by them john is always impressed by them Oliver's to you are rich, but I've always said, like, that's not the way I would play the game. Like, I wouldn't play Doom Eternal on the Switch personally. I think it's very neat from a technical perspective, but like, you could play it with 60 with like mouse controls, you know, <laughs> or 120 with mouse yeah, controls. And absolutely, then, yeah, you know, which you can do so, on a yeah. Steam Deck, uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, obviously not <laughs> portably with a mouse. In any no easy way, weird. but he can easily <laughs> run it at sixty. Um, but yes, the the switch version. I mean, you know, it's o- it's okay at thirty. Fortnite is well. Fortnite yeah. last time we looked at it targeted thirty, but had issues sustaining it. And I think that's by virtue of the scale of the of the whole enterprise. You know, hundred player games. Mm-hmm. Oliver, thoughts on this? Do you think they could get a decent? I mean, they're talking about Modern Warfare two and Warzone here. Yeah. I guess a port is is theoretically possible.
1: I think, like Alex said, it's um, probably a matter of resetting expectations. Like if you do start to say, "Okay, we're going to sacrifice that 60 FPS target, we're going to go to 30," that's obviously proven uh, very fruitful for a lot of impossible ports, especially like the Doom games and the Wolfenstein and whatnot. Those the, that's basically the starting point for getting a lot of eighth-gen console titles onto Switch, and I don't see why this would be that different. I think it's such an easy win. Um, you know maybe the resolutions would be like 360p portable or 540p docked but actually there is something sort of interesting about this which is that the call of duty engine has quite good up sampling and actually xenoblade mm-hmm. chronicles 3 it came out did it a presentation in japanese where they said that their upsampling method was derived from a presentation that infinity ward had done on the upsampling used for call of duty infinite warfare so there right. th- there is like the, at least some element or the core of their upsampling process as of a few years ago is performed enough to run on switch. So who knows, maybe that's a great vector for them to just like get a bunch of additional performance overhead, run it at, at a low resolution, get a roughly acceptable result. Um, I would think <laughs> that maybe the Ram would be the biggest issue just because, you know, I mean, the Switch is so RAM-constrained when it comes to some of these really demanding titles, and the Call of Duty titles have so much asset variety and so many high-quality assets and incidental bits of detail, and it's kind of crazy nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The the other aspect of it, of course, is that Apex Legends runs on Switch. Warzone runs on uh, mobile devices already. We have Fortnite on Switch. You know, I don't think it's, like, the engine technology, I think, is probably suitable for Switch. It's really just a question of degree. I think that's what it is. It's a question of how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to get a 30 FPS experience with a really unsteady warzone mode, or or is that not acceptable, right? Um, and mm. that'll that'll just be a matter for, I suppose, consumers to decide if this deal does go through and if they do end up shipping on last gen Switch, because I expect those will be the
0: compromises. Well, I think Microsoft are actually saying that as well, inciting those as examples, right? Mm-hmm. If They're talking mm-hmm. about uh, you know Doom Eternal or Apex Legends at fortnight you know you can look at those titles you can see how they compare against the um these existing console versions i guess the saving grace is that the um you know warzone 2 uh does have an existing last gen version i mean they've got it running on xbox one um and you know not great but it runs and there are further um Compromises that could be made beyond that to accommodate a smaller screen, you know, for example, smaller resolutions, lower resolutions. Uh, and yeah, it's interesting that you cite the temporal super sampling because I did actually see um, uh, how Vanguard looks without it on the base PlayStation 4. And uh, you wouldn't believe how low resolution it actually is and how good it looks after that upscaling process. So yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of potential technologies that could be deployed there. I don't envy Infinity Ward having to do this, though, right? It's <laughs> it's not really... <laughs> in, in a time where we're looking to banish cross-gen and look forward to the new generation of consoles and all that they have to offer uh, to suddenly sort of drop a Switch version into the mix and say, hey, you know, get on with it. <laughs> we want to bring this game to 100, 150 million more devices. That's probably not the engineering challenge that they they would relish at this point. But at the same time, they can't, you know, Call of Duty is so large, the installed PlayStation base is, is so huge that they can't let go of those um, uh, older consoles in the way that other franchises can, right? It's more of a FIFA situation where you've got to accommodate these devices for many years to come. And you know there are vectors in which you could downgrade the base Xbox One experience still further visually, and it would look okay on a handheld screen. I guess the question is really, how far do you cut, and at what point does it become unfair? Uh, I noticed looking at um, uh, I was looking at Warzone on an Intel Arc actually, and I was uh, fiddling about with settings to get 4K um, XESS. And you know the grass settings are actually quite, you know, wide ranging. For example, if you turn those off, it actually increases visibility quite a lot. <laughs> so there is the question of fairness as well within that experience. I don't think it could compare against you, know, for example, going up against a PC user with ultra wide and uh, keyboard and mouse like controls. That. But and but like they one forty four.
2: Oh my God! Yeah, yeah.
1: they should let like you disable. <laughs> I think the cross platform matchmaking i think they let you do that in the existing yeah they do Mm -hmm. but but i personally would would be very interested in a call of duty on switch because i actually played a lot of black ops 2 on the wii u right when that came out and i will tell you that the multiplayer lobbies in black ops 2 on wii u were a lot easier than the multiplayer lobbies on black ops 2 on (laughs) xbox 360 (laughs) So, it's a, a good chance to, to maybe clean up a little bit Level and up. bring up that KD ratio. So, much fun.
0: <laughs> we did have a, a supporter question from not not Robert Harper. I suspect he's trying to cunningly double bluff us here. He probably, <laughs> probably is Robert Harper. Going by how compromised Modern Warfare 2 on the Xbox One S is, do you predict the hypothetical Switch port would simply target 30 FPS instead? I think we've covered that, with CPU likely being the main bottleneck particularly in Warzone. I just can't see how they would target any higher than that. I think we've covered that. I think we agree. And I think Mm -hmm. Microsoft agrees based on the uh, examples that it's citing. Uh, This is the weird part of the question. Do you believe other versions may be paired back to accommodate it? Or that perhaps this agreement only extends to the Switch successor? Well, what we can say is that it doesn't only extend to the Switch successor because that rules out the 150 million devices, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I don't believe that Infinity Ward um, would pair back the other versions to accommodate it. Um, I think it would be the Switch version that would be (laughs) paired back, evidently. I mean, it Mm -hmm. wouldn't make any sense. Um, I agree. Yeah. Let's move on to the next news topic. Halo Infinite Season 3 is upon us, finally. And... um, We're not really covering the game that much these days but there is an interesting technical addition to the to the game which is that um raid facing has been added to the pc version i believe it's multiplayer only i believe it's sun shadows um and obviously we do have in our midst mr raid facing alex (laughs) Batalia. so i gotta Uh, cover this (laughs) you well do you have to cover it or can we just talk about it here
2: I think we should talk about it here,
0: because um, it, you I got, mean- Well, the, 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 this is another question, right? Have you got better things to be doing with your time?
2: <laughs> um, for for channel coverage, yes. Um, we've shown in the past, I think our last couple Halo videos, you know, you can always see a slight decrease in viewer count each Halo video that comes out. And the last one was probably the least viewed Halo video, I'd imagine. Um, but, uh, so I don't think we'll be covering this in the main channel, but I do actually like them Going back into the game, at least on the PC version here, with a promise to bring this over to the Xbox um, consoles, I think it was just Series X was mentioned uh, so far, um, and add in some ray tracing. Is it the ray tracing I would add to Halo Infinite? And I don't think the answer there is yes, um, because it, it applying to multiplayer first uh, is, most people actually when they play multiplayer games, especially on the PC, is they're not actually very interested in graphical quality. As sad as that is from my perspective as a reviewer, um, they're turning down things. We just talked about grass in Call of Duty. Um, I recently saw watched some streams of people playing that game from Embark, whose name is escaping me right now, but everyone was playing it at like zero FPS. I mean, uh, zero graphics million FPS with massive FOVs. So I think it's a little bit out of place coming to multiplayer first. I don't think I would have done that. Rather, I think it coming to campaign on PC first would have been very interesting because then we could have seen whether or not it affected some of the core complaints John and I had back in the day with regards to uh, like shadow distance in the game. And shadow quality at a distance, which was lacking. Uh, with the multiplayer maps, it's actually pretty hard to tell. But one of the things that was very noticeable was that, at least up close within the mid distance, not super up close, but like within the mid distance, some shadows would be called out due to the shadow maps uh, not being so good. Uh, at a mid distance and it would definitely improve the shadow coverage at like the mid distance but from the further distance it didn't actually look too different it didn't look like it was extending the range of the shadows from what i've seen so far um i think actually if they did go back in and add in ray tracing uh to the campaign i was actually looking forward towards something like ray traced ambient occlusion or ray traced gi uh which one of halo's biggest issues in my pre-launch coverage. And I think at launch was just how, almost like forspoken, we where just like, there's this just kind of like really generic global illumination that's used at times for a lot of the game world. And it's like everything in shadow is just like glowing, constantly glowing. It's like blue, everything's glowing blue. And um, things like ray tracing, i occlusion inclusion and ray chase GI due to their modification of Global Illumination or replacing it, really fixed that. And we saw that in things like most recently The Witcher 3's Enhanced Edition, where the original game looked blue, almost in shadows always, and the new version on consoles and on PC with the GI and RT AO on, looks a lot different and a lot better as a result. That's what I would have loved to have seen here. Maybe it would have made that 30 FPS mode they have weirdly uh, somewhat viable and usable for the campaign. Um, But here, I think Shadows is just maybe this is some sort of leftovers from the AMD partnership at some some level. Um, You know, for example, FSR 2 is not in there, uh, which maybe would have also been a nice thing to have seen here. So it's hard to really say how they're going to advance the game further in the future, given all the layoffs that occurred, including on their tech team. Um, So I'm happy to see it, but I I actually could have wanted something more and different.
0: Okay. Thoughts on this Mm. one, Oliver? It's not the most overwhelming addition to the game, is it? No, well,
1: it's not. Yeah, there are definitely other aspects of Halo Infinite's visuals that you'd think are in more urgent need of developer attention than this. (laughs) Right. But I actually did play some of this yesterday. I went into multiplayer in Forge and just checked it out. And I actually came away pretty pleased, actually. With, with what I saw. Because it adds a lot of small scale shadow map detail that you don't see in Halo Infinite because the, in Halo Infinite, the maximum shadow resolution is seems pretty limited even on PC, like you don't get a lot of that nice small coverage. And then it, of course, they aren't using any sort of like um, SDF type techniques to extend out shadow distance too far. So you just get like totally cut off shadows at a distance. And from what I saw at least, and I'll include some capture of it here, I was seeing a lot of uh, nice shadowing, including really nice self-shadowing on the trees, very accurate self-shadowing on the trees that you would not have gotten before because the resolution was too low. And, um, yeah, I was really impressed even on things like character models and on the warthogs and things like that. Just lots of self-shadowing that, again, is basically lost in the original because the resolution is not sufficient. So I was pleased with that. The part that I'm not too pleased with, I guess, is, yeah, AO would be great. GI would be great. Obviously, there's a wish list of things I could I could go on all day about things I'd like to change in Halo Infinite. <laughs> um, but the big disappointment for me is someone who's not super into multiplayer, and I don't know, it's not in the campaign, which sort of sucks, because that seems like the most natural place for it. I hope they do implement it in the campaign at some point soon. I guess I'm happy they implemented it, but they implemented it in a way that is not really personally that appealing to me. I wouldn't mind playing through Halo Infinite again on PC. But uh, but. It's not
0: there. Yeah, I get what you're saying, because, you know, in the campaign, you can actually have time to linger on the details. You can appreciate the visual upgrades. And uh, in the multiplayer, it's just phonetic blasting from start to finish. (laughs) So, yeah, it isn't really a great fit. Uh, Alex, you were talking earlier about that game from Embark Studios. I think you're referring to the finals.
2: Yes, that's what it's called. Um, Have you played it at all? No, I haven't. Um, it's between coverage, it's always hard to get in, especially one that's just like a closed beta release um, and things like that. But I did notice that it has, I believe, DLSS support and RTX GI support.
0: Yeah, because we actually but have I- a question from Automata, and we can't answer it because we haven't played it. But he's basically asking if we've checked it out. He's saying uh, the big selling point is insane levels of destruction. And yeah, right. yeah, it supports RTGI. And um, it's actually the first game he uses DLSS 3 in which is a competitive multiplayer because it actually, actually seems to work out well for him there. So maybe we should check that one out. Um, but yeah. yeah. Okay, let's move on to Supporter q is the part of the show where every week we poll our supporters on Patreon. We ask them for questions to include within DF Direct Weekly. We choose the best or rather, the ones that we are actually equipped to answer because there's a whole bunch of questions there and uh yes we present them uh, for your viewing pleasure Uh, the first question is from zephyr hi df team exclamation point with many games dropping their proprietary engines and recent games using proprietary engines like woe long fallen dynasty Uh, or Dynasty struggling to deliver next-gen experiences, are we now at the point where in-house engines are no longer feasible? Is this signaling the end of the era of games using bespoke engines? Now, this is a topic we've talked about endlessly in the past. Um, Alex, thoughts on this one? I mean, we are seeing these engines fall off, right? There's no doubt about it. But at the same time, we're also seeing that when... um, uh, middlewares or, or third-party engines like Unreal Engine are used, there can be issues.
2: Yeah, so this is a really hard question. I would love to hear what all you have to say about it, too. Um, I do think just the recent rash in the last year and a half of uh, companies that historically have been like super about their own tech switching over to Unreal uh, just is proof of this this occurring but i still don't think it actually applies to every game studio out there and for example look at something like id it's a studio that where their technology is actually enabling their games uh their there's crisp 60 fps um their emphasis on like lower latency controls generic you know just like something like infinity ward i don't ever see them switching over to unreal and i think this is it's part studio culture and it's part um how much like how specific their game is in terms of what it needs to be doing because unreal can't do everything and neither can unity and that's why these engines still have their place and for a game like we're long and uh, as well as um that monster hunter clone my goodness we just covered it and wild then, hearts. the name is yes wild hearts <laughs> um which is also running on this Katana engine, I believe it is called, which also powered Neo 2 before this. That's one, it's an instance where I'm actually really saddened about the what has happened there because I actually always liked the way Neo 2 looked. Um, and here it seems like the engine in its own right should actually be fine, but I think it's almost being like pushed out too quickly and too early and with not enough polish uh, for the platforms it's releasing on. Um, and that's what is mainly the issue here and i think there's a slight when a game per- doesn't perform well and it's running on custom tech like let's look at first spoken for example i don't think there's anything wrong with the tech per se i think it's the project usually there's something like there's some sort of scheduling with the project the you know maybe there was some trouble with midway development and it's not really the tech that's the problem but it's the project but then after the fact uh, to either appease stockholders, appease platform holders, appease someone that is not happy with the game sales, there's a blame put on the technology. Uh, I think that kind of happened with Cyberpunk because I don't think Red Engine proved itself to be poor or anything like that. It just proved that the, their, their project was not a good fit necessarily for last gen consoles within the time constraints they had. And then it, they switched over to Unreal, which m- was almost like a deflection in my opinion. And I feel like that can happen and I don't want that to happen. I would rather prefer that there was a greater diversity of engines and they all were given their time to shine with a, with a project that has enough time for the platforms bits being released on, which hasn't happened yet for a lot of studios, unfortunately. I don't know if this is COVID or if it's just the new era we're in where games release unfinished, um, but that's that's how i feel about this question okay oliver thoughts
1: yeah i think it's tricky because in the case of wolong uh i covered stranger of paradise i put a bit of neo2 and i've played uh well, I ran into a bit of a brick wall with the first boss on Wolong, yes. so I won't say that I have played. <laughs> You've played Wolong. I've yeah. played at least... You have ex- experienced I've it. experienced at least the first <laughs> 20 minutes of gameplay of Wolong. Um, I actually thought Neo 2 didn't look too bad. Stranger of Paradise was a... I mean, I was I was not very pleased with it at all. Wolong looks uh, better than, than Stranger of Paradise. I'm not sure how it compares to Neo 2. It looks... Probably in the same ballpark, but I'm not that I'm not that happy with the way the game looks. Frankly, I wasn't happy with what I saw from how the game's GI comes together. How just how the lighting comes together. I'm, I was not that happy with it. In some respects, it's not even really up to the standards of a good-looking, a reasonable-looking last-gen game, in my opinion. Just again, just from what I saw, just from what I played in the initial section, it also suffered from really bad stuttering issues. I don't know if those have been fixed. It has frame rate problems. Tom covered that in his his piece. Um, And it's a disaster on last gen, and it's a big problem on Series S. So, I don't know, at some point you kind of have to throw up your hands and say like, this is a team that's clearly very skilled, like there's great art in these games. Combat, gameplay is fantastic. Uh, Would it be better for them to move to a different tool set given all the myriad issues on this one? I mean, I think that's a reasonable proposition personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of the broader question I think is a bit more complicated, and I think it's been complicated in particular by the adoption of direct (laughs) x12 which is hard to manage for smaller engines you really need to have a a lot of engineering resources on on at your disposal for for a studio like id software deploying their own tech with dx12 or with um with vulcan or whatever apis they're using low-level apis i'm sure they're totally fine with that they have a massive engineering staff Uh, like alex said it really enables their games but for us you know some smaller studios with their own custom tech, like we see on PC with Wolong, it's a bit of a bit of a problem. So I don't know what you do about that. I think it, it invariably does lead to consolidation, whether you like it or not at the moment. Just that's the way that people are being pushed.
0: Well, you recently covered uh, Leica like Dragonition, which is a company that has essentially moved on in yeah. theory. Possibly. <laughs> From yeah, yeah. its we'll own see. engine, yes, we'll to Unreal Engine 4, and that kind of introduced its own problems with the initial launch on PC, which had uh, some pretty bad startering issues, but do you think overall that was the, the right move for that developer?
1: Yeah, so, so I went into that in a bit of detail in the video. Um, with respect to the PC issues, there were some compilation issues at launch, although those were, they weren't at nearly as bad as a lot of other titles, and they did fix it within a a week or so with that update, and it basically the game does not have shader comp, um, any significant shader comp stutters as far as I can tell now. In that case, it's a bit, you know, the Dragon engine has some problems. I don't think the uh, indirect lighting in the Dragon engine looks that great, especially during the daytime when you only have like one light source, you know, and you've just got the sun to deal with. It's it was not that the attractive. Shadows, yeah. I, I mean, I covered that in, in my piece. Um, it's a bit tough to compare the, you know, recent uh, Yakuza or Like a Dragon titles directly with Eshin because Eshin is like a real yeah. generation straddler with all kinds of different assets pulled from a release that came out nine years ago, so uh, but the lighting quality <laughs> Eshin does look a lot better, I think than Dragon Engine titles, so even in that case it's sort of like, well, I, I, I'm i not saying they should switch from Dragon Engine, and I'm not sure if that's something that's totally set in stone, at least publicly at this point, but uh, at, at a minimum, their tech needs uh, substantial upgrades, so I'm not saying they need to switch, but you know, Unreal Engine did come off looking pretty reasonable in that comparison, as you might expect.
0: Yeah, it's okay. a good point. Let's move on to the next question from Joe Esposito. Uh, curious if the team has ever considered doing some PC build videos. Uh, with the level of expertise in the group, I'd be very interested in high end, mid tier, and budget gaming build videos. Just an idea for your abundance of free time. I think he's pretty ironic there. (laughs) Uh, I think I'll I'll take this one. I mean... um, I like this, yeah. Yeah, I guess we we could do them. Um, I just think the concept of doing a PC build is actually quite personal. So I guess that would have to be reflected in the video. And to be honest, I'm not... You know, if I was to create... In fact, I did recently in the Intel-sponsored video we did on Arc. I just built a um, a mid-tier gaming PC from scratch... It's not very exciting because I'm not particularly interested in, um, you know, RGB stuff, uh, crazy coolers and uh, everything being white. That seems to be quite a trend these days. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just not particularly interested in that. So ultimately what you're left with is um, the components chosen and what you can do with them, which is what we put into every one of our videos, I think, um, on the PC side, we try to get... Um, as as much as time allows, um, a perspective on how a game will perform on various systems and what you can do with it. I do actually did quite. I mean, again, I mean it's the it's these sponsored videos where we actually have time to to put a, you know quite a lot of effort into it. And uh, we did one also on a um, RTX 3070 mobile within a Razer laptop, and that was a really interesting experience as well because you could actually you know quantify an experience on a console and then compare it to what this laptop is doing. So yeah that's the kind of stuff that I find quite interesting. But in terms of you know component choices and stuff like that um, it doesn't particularly excite me and I also think that the end result would probably disappoint quite a lot of people because part of the circus of this kind of thing is to actually produce some sort of crazy wacky, uh, brightly illuminated device. <laughs> it just doesn't interest me at all. Uh, I mean, if you saw the inside of my PC, I mean, you occasionally see it in um, the Linus Tips Tech Tech videos where they swap out a GPU for a new AMD one or whatever, you actually see what a state their PCs are. And my PC is a state. I'm not sure I'd want to publicly <laughs> advertise it the same way. Uh, thoughts, Alex? Um, so I, w- I
2: almost feel like I was thinking about this and i was saying like i'm of the opinion of rich where maybe around the year 2005 i was like wow you can put leds in your pc (laughs) that was also around the time period when when there was almost like a shift in the visual look and language of pc design moved from beige and dark towers to more extravagant designs yep um and uh i'm kind of really over that So, uh, for me, I would, it would be interesting to build, uh, like a mute PC in terms of how loud it is. I would also be interested in building a smaller form factor PC, something that is PS five or Xbox series X, like Intel NUC style kind of thing. I think those are very interesting builds. Uh, but there isn't a huge aftermarket, uh, for the GPU side of things that is fitting in those constraints anymore at least in the mid-range yeah new mid-range You I mean, need have, to wait for a new mid-range i
0: have been considering a build that would be you know quantifiably twice as fast as a ps5 in every single way so you would have like mm-hmm. cpu limited scenarios you'd have gpu limited scenarios across a range of games and then the question is could you actually fit it into a console style form factor that would be fun that, that might be quite fun so you know there, there are some ideas there but you know the basic concept of doing you know a uh, 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 a budget high-end mid-tier it's it does you know i think there needs to be a bit of sparkle and interest added there um mm-hmm. Oliver, haven't you just built a pc i
1: did yeah mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that's what's been featured in uh i think like my last it's three or four true. videos have all featured it in some yep. way just through coincidence so, 13
0: thirteen seven hundred k and a 4090
1: 4090 and then 32 gigs of a ddr5 and a 2 terabyte um nvme ssd and it's it's pretty good, um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think people would be too interested to see my building process because I literally just went on Newegg, got a bunch of stuff that was on sale, <laughs> and I like I I did the the interior wiring is all pretty good because I'm not expecting to well hopefully who knows switch, switch, out, switch stuff. out stuff I don't think I'll be doing too much of that but um, the system itself is nicely put out but it's not fancy and the RGB I mean I do have RGB fans but I turn them off. So it's something fancy and there's no like, it's, there's no like custom, like people do crazy custom, you know, liquid cooling and stuff. I have a, you know, I have an all-in-one liquid cooler, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not super sexy, attractive, wow, here's a cool new PC. It's just like, here's what I could scramble together to get a good PC for not that much money, or at least not, not as much as I could have.
0: I am still amused by the concept of this abundance of free time that Joe X Esposito is referring to. (laughs) But let's move on to the next question. This one's from Celtic Guardian, 421. Uh, Do you think the ARM architecture has a future in the gaming PC slash console space? Obviously, it's already ubiquitous in mobile phones and portables like the Switch. Do you think that with Moore's Law slowing down, that PCs and slash or consoles might need to switch to ARM in order to keep up performance gains? Alex I'm not sure about this because it seems to me that there's still you know relative stagnation in the arm space in, ter- in terms of um, single core performance that kind of thing it looks like there was a, an, an explosion of innovation uh, spearheaded by Apple at, at one point and um, but it seems that now we're seeing similar solutions to the PC space which is to go wide rather than go yeah. fast
2: so I feel like that explosion in the arm that happened with Apple was about the package, right? It was about the included memory on the package, right? Um, and that seems like it was just a huge explosion of performance. Oliver covered it really well, I feel, when he when he talked about it. And um, a lot of people have also made videos about it, and it is very specific. I think PC, as in the you, the PC standard of ATX and motherboards and separate RAM slots, currently makes the idea of including RAM on package um, not completely tenable for anything that isn't like an APU style build, which we don't see. I wish there was more AMD support for APUs actually in the wider PC space uh, that included memory on package like that Um, in some way, it would be really interesting to see what they could put out um, for like mid range PCs. Maybe someone could just buy something like that, Um, but I currently don't think it has been proven out to be the necessary place that PCs need to go uh, beyond x86, x64, because I'm actually pretty impressed with what uh, Intel and AMD have done in the last two generations. I feel like it has gotten better than it was previously before. Um, Prices are obviously a whole different question, but I feel like there's still a lot of room to grow there. Uh, in ways and the heterogeneous architecture from Intel is one path that is going to be interesting as well as uh, AMD's many core CCX um, introduction of 3D cache etc they're all trying to grow in a different way and I'm interested to see the way they take them Mm. and I don't think a switch to ARM would do anything for us other than maybe reset the backwards compatibility button (laughs) which I don't want to see right Right. now so Uh, so I'm happy actually with x86 x64 at the moment
0: well this maybe this this concept is actually part of your everyday life really isn't it oliver because you use max (laughs) pretty much exclusively for your production process which means that you have actually managed an intel to arm transition and I think you're quite happy with it aren't you you're you're quite quite happy with your max
1: uh, yeah I love the m1 and m2 based max I have an m1 ultra with the or a, a max studio with the m1 ultra right here and it's Fantastic. I really couldn't be happier just with the general performance of the machine, um, how it compares to a a PC hardware that you might be familiar with. It's very capable. Obviously, I did a video on this some, some time ago. But to me, the question, I think people get really messy with this question because there's the instruction set, right? And there's ARM. CPUs that ARM designs, and there's ARM derived designs, and people get really messed yep. up with these questions. So with the instruction set, I think it's basically unrelated because instruction sets nowadays they're all very complex. Uh, ARM ISAs started out being relatively simple; they've become more bloated over time. You know, you need to expand to support a lot of functions that they didn't need to support when they were in, um, you know, calculators in 1996 or something. You know, you didn't need, <laughs> you need that much. Nowadays, you need very complicated ISAs. So I think the instruction set part, just toss that out of your mind, it's, it's, it's not a, a, an especially relevant part of modern CPU core uh, relative power efficiency, whatever. That's whatever. In terms of the, the ARM CPUs themselves and the ARM-based the ARM SOCs themselves, arm limited who actually designs the isa and they also make uh cpu core designs that are based on the isa and those have fallen behind the curve in recent years in uh, smartphones and tablets and things like that Um, they've not really been keeping pace in particular with apple's arm cpus but apple's arm cpus are custom cpus that are designed using the arm isa so they license the isa they don't license cpu cores for most devices they use an arm uh, CPU core for the Apple Watch, but everything else is custom at this point. Everything else is totally custom, totally Apple-made. And those <laughs> CPU core designs are competitive with the most power-efficient uh, core designs in PCs today, which I would say is uh, AMD Zen 4 design, which is on a very similar process node. Like, for instance, if you take a, a Zen 4, like a 750X and we at the 65 watts, I have an uh, I have an M1 Ultra that can be brought to 50 watts and the performance is pretty similar. Both have 16 high performance cores, et cetera. So it's kind of a, a very long-winded way of basically saying that I think ISA is basically unrelated and people should toss that from their heads. It really comes down to the specific CPU core design. And I don't really see any reason why anyone should be switching to ARM in particular, especially considering that the ARM CPU core designs that you're going to license are going to be a lot less suitable for a high performance device than something that, say, AMD yep. would sell
0: you. Okay, Mm -hmm. fair enough. Uh, Let's move on to the next question from Eric Hurst. Alex, would you consider remaking your tech focus on do you really need ultra settings? Nowadays, when PC spec requirements are released for a game, folks tend to associate resolutions such as 4K with one or two graphics cards. Uh, But at the same time, the association is tied to ultra settings. Looking at the requirements for The Last of Us Part 1 on PC, it claims that it needs an RTX 4080 to achieve 4K60 at ultra, but surely... 4k 60 or close to it could easily be achieved with dial back graphic settings and some good old dlss do you think ultra settings are a tech focus topic worth revisiting in the here and now thank you
2: yes the answer is yes probably is because i think one thing that that tech focus that dates it uh is the it's pre ray tracing and it's pre-dlss like you mentioned here and Ray tracing is usually actually good ultra settings, the type that we wanted back when I made that video. I was I was kind of complaining that oh, ultra settings are like it's just like two samples more. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's like three samples more, or something like that. You can you can see when you stop and pause a screenshot of something in motion, um, versus you know RT, which is usually more transformative to the whole image at a certain cost. Um, I'd say that kind of dates the video as well DLSS were, yeah, there's there's a lot that could be said now to update that video, but the general concept is still true. Uh, and the, the Last of Us example will bear out with our coverage, but I imagine if it's like any other game, for example, I look at uh, Plague Tale Requiem that came out where you go down to like the medium setting for a lot of things versus the highest end setting You get a game that looks broadly super similar but you're getting a good healthy chunk of performance back to maybe spend on other areas like resolution which might be more beneficial for the game so yeah i would definitely like to return to this topic in a updated form at some point
0: um for sure i like this idea okay sounds like a plan let's Mm -hmm. move on to the final question from mr bespoke uh, hi, Alex. Just wondering, what has ever become of your Crisis Shrine since it hasn't oh. been in the background for some time now? Is it because it's not worthy of being a shrine, or is it because it's been destroyed by a backlash <laughs> of anger towards your hatred of, st- of of starter struggle, frame pacing, and shader compilation? Uh, yeah, what, what does what has happened to the uh, Crisis Shrine while we while we're here? <laughs>
2: It's still technically there. I just haven't lit it in a while um, <laughs> you because lit it. I haven't left the light Flame has been it. extinguished. It's <laughs> like it'd be like in the background there. My, my setup changed, and it was usually easy to get sneak into a shot at some point. But now the room is wider, and the things in the background are further away. Would you would you care about this little tiny flame there? like right there. I don't think you'd care as much. Um, so I could light it at any moment. You could. Uh, call for God, aid. You could light, it
0: at, like, could light it, it at any moment. You're just I light it at any moment. But I just have <laughs> Maybe
2: Maybe um, there is some talk here internally at the studio of um, um, <laughs> <laughs> moving some of this around. And I think I may actually reintroduce it at that point. It would also include... Um, I have two retro setups technically, and I would have one over there, and it would maybe be right next to it. So we'll see. Would, Time will tell. It,
0: it would certainly help uh, my OCD if your shelves are actually straight,
2: dude. <laughs> dude, Rich, believe me, they are straight. It's the walls that are not straight. I swear to you, this is this is an, this building's like over a hundred years old. Um, the walls that are not straight the floor is also not straight every single time i move the 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 camera in front of me i always have
0: to auto level uh and tilt it so okay fair enough (laughs) just just nitpicking (laughs) Uh, oliver any shrines we should be aware about uh, aware of in your in your area there
1: no i mean there there are some games that i've thought about getting like some collector's (laughs) editions or something and putting those around Mm -hmm. like uh final fantasy 13 or like world of warcraft classic oh. or half-life or different different games i really enjoy but uh no not not at the moment i have a pretty i have a pretty <laughs> spartan i don't like to decorate too much
0: <laughs> fair enough uh well that's it that's the end of the show and uh, if you enjoyed it please do like subscribe share and uh, of course ring the bell for those uh i have begrudgingly admitted they are instant notifications i'm still I'm still getting those notifications of that channel that I really hate. (laughs) It does work. The technology has been proven. Uh, Yes, so do ring the bell for those instant notifications. DF supports a program. Join us. Join our amazing community. Submit questions to the show. And of course, um, we typically... Well, typically, we always give early access to the show a couple of days in advance to supporters and there's a bunch of bonus material early access and some amazing retro stuff happening there so yes join us but that's all from us for this week and we'll see you next week